0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I feel like God started writing this sermon for me uh, this past summer. Uh, Back in August, I had the opportunity to fly up to Montreal, Canada to present a paper at the Society of New Testament Studies. It was a huge honor for me and a very reflective time for me in my life. Everyone gathered at this society is a, a kind of a world-renowned New Testament scholar, and they're from all over the world, from Europe, from Africa, from South America, from North America, Asia, Australia, every continent represented at this conference, except for Antarctica, and I think you know what I mean. But Montreal is a diverse city, and I loved being there, and I loved being with all these people from all over the world, and it got me thinking about the differences that we create as human beings. A lot of times as human beings, we uh, get into this whole us versus them mentality. We characterize and we stereotype people. You Europeans, you're like that, while we Americans, we're like this. You Latin Americans, you kind of think this way, but we North Americans, we think this way. You people from Africa and you people from Asia, you do this and you do that, but we do it this way. We. We do, we think, we act. That's us. And them, they. They do and they think and they act in that way and that's them. And we create this us versus them mentality. That thing happens in cultures, it happens in subcultures, it happens in sub-sub-subcultures. It happens in churches, it happens in all sorts of groups, it happens in socioeconomic strata, it happens all over the place. We as human beings have a tendency to create this us versus them mentality. Now, one of the cool things about this conference that I was at in Montreal, everyone was from everywhere. And so it was hard for us to have an us versus them mentality. We'd be sitting at lunch or we'd be sitting at dinner and conversation would go from English to German to Spanish to French. And I could sort of get maybe half of those languages. But enough people knew enough languages that communication could happen. And so I had some great talks with people from all over the world. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was eye-opening. And one night we went to dinner at the oldest building in Montreal, and it was just an awesome place, awesome dinner, and I sat next to a lady named Gudrun. She's a New Testament professor in Germany. She does that part-time. Well, part-time she works in the church, and she's Lutheran. I'm Lutheran, so we had that in common. She spoke German. She spoke English. She spoke Hebrew, and I'm sure a whole bunch of other languages. One of the things we had a a chance to talk about was the refugee situation in Europe, particularly in Germany. And I don't know if you know this, but Germany has brought in more refugees than any other country in Europe. Well over 1 million since 2015 from Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, and all sorts of countries. Maybe up to 1.5 million people. Now, given Germany's history... I found the conversation with Gudrun amazing and intriguing. I mean, you've heard of Hitler, right? Hitler was the ultimate elevator of the us versus them mentality to evil proportions. And I was sitting there thinking, what is happening with the refugees in Germany today would never have happened in Nazi Germany 75 years ago. And so, I asked Gudrun about this reversal. I said, I don't mean to offend. I don't mean to try to be weird, but it has, I'm, I, can't be, I can't not ask you this question. I said, do you think Germany is trying or attempting to redeem its tragic past in welcoming all these refugees in? She said, you know what? I think that perhaps the older generation sees it that way. But she said the younger generation just sees it as the right way to be. Now, I know, I'm sure there's a debate within Germany about all of this, but the truth is is that that country has grown and has worked to blur the line, the distinction between us and them. I could see it in her. I could see it in the conversation. You could see it in the news. I could see it in our time together at the conference. And I think that most people in the world would agree that what they're doing is overall a good thing. The more I thought about that, the more I thought about that really speaks to our text today from Matthew chapter two. Today we're celebrating Epiphany. We've journeyed from Advent where we were waiting for Jesus to come to Christmas. Jesus is here and now we're in an Epiphany. And you're saying, what's Epiphany? Well, it's a good question because Epiphany is not only a day that we celebrate, but it's a season of the church year. Now we use that word Epiphany oftentimes in our culture when we talk about having a moment of insight or revelation. right? Like I just had an Epiphany. Boom, a light bulb goes off. We gain an insight, we learn something new, we have a new idea. Well, epiphany is kind of like that, but it's like in a church way. A light bulb goes off in the mind of the church, a revelation, an insight is made. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 says this, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. In Epiphany, the spotlight is on Jesus, the light of the world. The light bulb goes off, the manifestation of Jesus as God and man. The spotlight's on him. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at his baptism. We're going to look at him calling his disciples. We're going to look at him healing, and we're going to spend a lot of time hearing him preach to us. We're going to wrap it up with the transfiguration, but today we're going to talk about the revelation, the insight, the light, the epiphany that was given to the Magi. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi. Now, in the Greek, there's this little tiny word there, and it says, behold. We often don't translate it. It's not translated here, but really it's saying, can you believe it? in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly. He found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, go and search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down. They worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. It's a familiar story, right? We've we've heard it, we've read it, we read it every year on this Sunday. But the crazy thing about this text is that underneath this text is a lot of us versus them mentality. A lot of us versus them stuff is going on. Now, we, when we think of the Magi, we get pretty pumped up. We like the Magi, right? We think of manger scenes. We think of cool statues. We think of gifts, bringing gifts to Jesus. We see our children in all those dramas and plays. They've acted out and cute little kings come running forward and give gifts to Jesus. We like the Magi. They're our people. They're us. But the reality is that in Jesus' day, the Magi were more them than they were us. In fact, Jewish people at the time would sort of look at Magi skeptically, look down upon them. Maybe the way we Christians sort of look at palm readers or tarot card readers, kind of like, that's kind of weird. In fact, a Babylonian rabbi said this. He said, whoever learns a single word from a Magi is worthy of death. He called them blasphemers of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of us versus them mentality, doesn't it? And when we realize that, when we realize that reality of that culture and that view that the Jewish people had toward the Magi, that's when a light bulb goes off. That's when we have an epiphany and we begin to see the nature of this child, Jesus. On Christmas Eve, our message was very simple. Our message was one word. Our message was Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, some of you are paying attention. Emmanuel, God with us. Now Jesus is Jewish. He's the king of the Jews. He's one of us. So why are they, them, why are they, why are those magi coming to worship him? And we begin to see the awesome and the radical reach and nature of the mission of Jesus and his birth, that when God comes to live with us, he redefines us. With Jesus, there is no us versus them. There is only us, and everyone is invited to be part of us. And the irony is that King Herod and the experts in the law and uh, the chief priests and all the other Jewish people, the quote-unquote us folks... They didn't come to worship Jesus. They didn't bring him gifts, but those foreigners, those outsiders, those sinners, those blasphemers, them, they came to worship. And the infant child teaches us that he came to be Emmanuel, God with not just with the Jewish people but all of humanity he teaches us that he is leading the biggest unity movement in the history of the world he is calling all peoples to worship God in spirit and in truth because with Jesus there is no them there is only us all of humanity God drove this point home for me time and time again this past year but especially back in November I went to San Antonio to another theology and religion conference. It was a giant theology nerd fest. I mean, there were 10,000 people gathered at this thing, uh, all people that are kind of academics studying theology and religion, and it, it was right after the election, so, I mean, everyone was kind of, And, man, if this past election hasn't been an us versus them election, I don't know what has. But anyway, instead of me normally going, I normally go to a bunch of like biblical Greek nerd sectionals that, you know, I even fall asleep at them. I decided to go to a bunch of seminars that I usually don't attend. And I'm telling you, it was awesome. And it was humbling. And it made me repent of the so many times in my life that I've fortified and I've built up this us versus them mentality. I could tell you story after story of speaker after speaker. But one speaker in particular, his name is Miguel. He's a well-known professor, well-known, uh, well-known theologian. His name is Miguel, and he started to, his talk about a border crossing. Now, we've got a border just 100 miles to the south, right? And Miguel told a story of a young man named Jose uh, who had to flee his country because the local government there was abusive and corrupt, and Jose got word that they were going to come after him come after him and his family, and so in the middle of the night, he woke up with his wife and his infant child, and he ran for their lives. Now, I was assuming that Miguel, as he's giving this talk, I was assuming that he was talking about someone from Mexico. But then he started to tell his own life story, how he was born in Cuba months before the Castro Revolution, that his father and his mother escaped in the middle of the night with him when he was six months old. They were refugees. Fleeing a corrupt and abusive government. Much like all those people that Gudrun and I were talking about in Germany and in Europe. So then I started thinking, okay, Miguel, he's, he's talking about his own story. And, and this Jose guy is his dad. But then I realized he wasn't talking about his own story, though their stories were similar. He went on to tell us that Jose, with his wife and child, escaped in the middle of the night. They fled across the border. They escaped with their lives just in time, refugees seeking asylum. Our Bible text for epiphany usually stops at Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, but I want to keep reading. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Jose in a dream. And that's when I understood what Miguel was talking about. An angel of the Lord appeared to Jose in a dream. Get up, he said. Jose, take the child, Jesus, and his mother, Maria, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, Jose got up, he took the child, Jesus, and his mother Maria during the night and they left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. And when Herod had realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. But then what was said to the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, the weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Jose and his wife Maria and their son Jesus, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus escaped a corrupt and abusive government in the middle of the night. And they were refugees seeking asylum in a foreign land. Not unlike Miguel and his family's escape from Cuba. Not unlike the many refugees in Germany that Gudrun and I were talking about. Not unlike the many refugees that are housed at our sister church in Berlin that our own choir has visited and supports financially. I have to tell you that Miguel's perspective on this text was eye-opening for me. I could never have seen it the way he sees it as a refugee and it led me to repent of the many times I've built up a us versus them mentality. And those words of Jesus being born, Emmanuel, God with us. Not to blur, but to eradicate and destroy the lines between us versus them. To remind us that every human being is created in the image of God. The Magi, Gudrun from Germany, the refugees in Europe, the Cuban refugee Michael and his family, Jose, Maria, Joseph, and Mary, you and me, we are all created in the image of God and Jesus came for all of us. He was born for us. And in Jesus, there is no them. In Jesus, there is only us. and That's good news. That's good news for us in the room. Remember, we aren't, most of us aren't Jewish. We're Gentiles. We're like the Magi and sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that we were once viewed as people on the outside. Sometimes we forget that even our Lord Jesus was a refugee. An infant and his parents escaping a murderous, corrupt, abusive government. I hope that in our minds, in our hearts, this text will bring about an epiphany. I hope that a light bulb will go off, and I hope that two questions you will take away from this morning. Who are the magi in your life? They might just show you how to worship Jesus and how to trust in him one step at a time as you journey toward Jesus in worship. And the second question is, who are the refugees that are seeking asylum with you? Their names, my friends, could be Jose, Maria, y Jesus. And in giving them asylum, you may find asylum for your own soul. Emmanuel, God is with us.